Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm Sal Antutinato. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder is Joe Ross, who is retired Army, a former Army fullback, and a former Army assistant coach. And we thank Joe Ross and Higher Echelon for sponsoring this podcast. We have a very special guest this morning, Tina, Sava- Tina Savasio. From, uh, she's the CBS Network uh, Army Army football sideline reporter, also Fox uh, Sports uh, anchor. Tina, you got a busy schedule, and we really appreciate you hopping on this morning to talk some Army football. Oh, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk Army football, especially with you, Sal. You're a legend, so I really appreciate you having me on. I've always followed your work and read your work and watching your different podcasts and videos, so this is great. Yeah, we had your buddy Ross Tucker on a couple weeks ago, and we were talking like just what it's like to cover the football team. And maybe um, you can give us a little insight because I've covered uh, games from the press box, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been able to get on the field a handful of times, mostly at the end of those Army Navy games where the, yeah. the, the outcomes decided late. <laughs> but uh, talk to us a little bit about what it's like covering the football team from the field. Well, obviously, this year was a little different, um, but to cover. Army football from the field at Mikey Stadium. I mean, I know I'm, I'm really privileged. It's such a great opportunity. I'm super blessed to have that opportunity. And, you know, I've, I've, growing up, I was always a college football fan. My dad went to Cornell, so we uh, would always go back to his homecoming games. But then he would always take me to uh, Princeton games, Columbia. We lived in northern New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like we were, you know, going to Penn State, Notre Dame, these, you know, Michigan, 107,000 people. It was these you know, old school, historic, quaint Ivy League uh, stadiums and football fields packed packed with alumni, packed with the diehard fans, packed with historic figures that are affiliated with those universities. And when I, I'll never forget telling my dad when I was did, when I did my first Army football game, which was back in 2017, and it was at Mikey Stadium in November against Duke. And he's like, wait until you get into Mikey Stadium. And everyone warned me that ever did a game at Army, you're going to need double earpieces if you're down on the field. You will not be able to hear. And I'm thinking, you know, it's not 100,000. I've done games at Penn State, 110,000. Yep. You don't understand. It is It's such a unique atmosphere. It is such a special place. And sure enough, I got to experience that. And the last three seasons have been able to do every Army home game. And it's just been such a privilege. It is loud. I make friends with the cadets. Um, it's, I get in the trenches, which is such an opportunity to be behind those benches, especially behind, you know, how many 95 to 120 members of the army football team that they have in, in uniform for each home game. And it's great. And you get to know people, you get to know personnel, you get to know, um, the great men and women who currently serve our country in the middle of a football game. So it's just uh, an incredible experience. It's almost too hard to explain, um, but it's great. And, um, that, that Army coaching staff is so accommodating. They give us so much access. They're so respectful. They're so helpful. The information I get in the middle of a game is just above and beyond when I go out and do any other college football game for that matter. You know, I was thinking, I was thinking of last season, the Georgia Southern game, right? And at the end, that's a crazy ending, right? With the, did he spike the ball in time or didn't the Georgia, the Georgia Southern right. Right. Uh, and then, then I get the coach Munkin moments after that, there's so much chaos going on in the field with the, with the win and they're, they're checking with the officials. 
And then you realize how emotional he is about that win. And we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, I believe his father was able to come and travel to yeah. that game late November, November 21st. It's, you know, the, the school that put him on the map, but he also put them on the map, left that program in such a great situation. And to see that emotion come through, both for his players, for what the cadets were able to do on the field, uh, I guess, you know, it kind of, it, everything is, was put into perspective this past year as we experienced different things in the pandemic to have such a limited crowd, obviously just the cadets in the stands and very few family and people affiliated with the military academy, but his family and, and dad were able to attend that game. So that was just uh, a really special moment. And I just loved how, you know, West Point graduates, uh, veterans, anyone affiliated with Army, whether it was Army football, Army basketball, whoever they were out there, the people that were reaching out and talking about that interview on social media was really special. That was really neat. But that, it was special because of Jeff Munkin and because of what those players were able to do in that game. And what a great game that, you know, Georgia Southern played as well. Yeah, I think when you told uh, Coach Muggett, it's okay, Coach, to be emotional after this game. I thought that was that was really a, a great moment. Uh, just like so that it really uh, showed like both the relationship between you know you and Coach, right? I mean, it's, you know, like it's all right. We've seen we've seen seen him on the other side of the spectrum when he's mad at his players at halftime. They could be up by two touchdowns, and he was mad about one play or one particular drive that they didn't complete. We didn't extend that drive, and we're leaving points on the field. And and we've seen him, you know, just ream into his players. And I've I've had to report those too. I mean, where I I always say I edit the language. You know, this is PG television, 12 noon on a Saturday on CBS Sports Network. And uh, he's like, I appreciate that. And uh, but it's it's we, we see so many range of emotions. And I think there's there's so many layers to that job. I mean, you are even more than a division one college football coach. And then the men that the young men that you are coaching, knowing what got them there, knowing what they're doing at the military academy and what's asked of them and then what their futures hold. There's just there's just so much to carry. And he does it. Uh, with just such grace and such discipline, but compassion. And he's a great teacher too. I've learned so much sitting in on, on those meetings, which we didn't have obviously this year. We had Zoom meetings, but yeah. it wasn't quite the same. Uh, the 2020 schedule was had a bunch of home games, right? So, I mean, you got to even experience more. I mean, Army played what, eight or nine home games. And that yes. was- uh, And there was a the point, I remember in August talking to my agent, he's like, uh, you might not have any college football this year. We don't know if I'm going to play or if they're going to have any any opponents because then Mountain West cancels their season. Uh, you know, UConn cancels their season, UMass, everybody. So all the games are dropping off. And then here where I work at Fox 5, and we're watching this happen the first week of August. So I run into our, our news division. I said, guys, this is a story. You know, we're, we're watching all of these. This is beyond just, you know, sports and highlights because we started getting sports back in August and there was going to be college football at that point, but we just didn't know how much and where. And I ended up, it's a local story. For, I mean, 45 minutes from the Empire State Building, yeah. 45 miles is West Point, New York. And that's where the military academy is. So there, this was a unique local story. I got in touch with Mike Buddy. So I Zoomed with him. I Zoomed with Coach Munkin. And they were so determined. I mean, that day they had three games left on their schedule. Hmm. And Mike Buddy said, we're going to rebuild this schedule. I'm talking to this one. I'm talking to that one. And before you knew it, and we kept following that story, before you knew it, they had a full schedule. They completely rebuilt that schedule. It was absolutely fascinating. And it was you know, typical of the men and women of the Army. They were determined to win. And they found a way. And uh, hmm. so that was fascinating. So I went from thinking I'd have no games to... Six home games. None of my games were postponed or canceled due to the other team having a COVID situation. Yes. Of course, the Air Force game initially was postponed, and that was supposed to be on CBS Network. 
And then it was rescheduled, and I was able to do that game on CBS Sports Network, one of the latest games ever played at Mikey Stadium for a regular season game, December 19th, right, for the uh, Army Air Force game. And then the Commander-in-Chief's trophy was carried off the field so fast, we didn't even get to pose with it and have Coach Muck. It was just just so crazy the whole year, but what a a wild year um, for Army to see them, you know, beat Navy at Mikey Stadium. So that was another home game, you're right, that that I earned there. Um, I got to do sideline reporting for Westwood One, and then for the pregame show, I did the march on for CBS Sports Network. So I was able to be part of the CBS broadcast for that. And that that was another thing, to be on that field, to watch the march on with the midshipmen and the cadets with their masks on, to be interviewing the highest ranking people in the Army, like the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, um, you know, to be standing five feet from the president when he walks in. To have, I think there was like this strange... Um, it was very interesting. The uh, secret, ser- I think there was like a secret service detail near me because I was, I had so much electronic equipment on my person that day because I was working for CBS and Westwood One. So I'm walking around with wires and holding things and I'm carrying microphones because we couldn't have anyone else on the field because of the protocol. And I'm totally convinced there was like, who is this person walking around with all this electronic equipment with the president of the United States right yeah. there? So it was really, it was interesting. So you're doing that and you're realizing the significance of that game at Mikey Stadium with the fog, a great football defensive effort, football game going on on the field with all of the background of, of all of the history that always happens each year with the Army-Navy game. It was just, uh, it was really wild to be a part of that. Yeah, I just wanted to touch up. First off, if anybody's watching right now and they have any comments for Tina and I or questions, feel free to post them here. Uh, just wanted to t- uh, give you a big, big kudos about your coverage of Army football, right? You said that Army is only about 45 miles from the city, but yet it doesn't really get the mainstream coverage from the newspapers or even the TV side. And you've done a really good job of bringing that to light. And I just just wanted to get your perspective on that and maybe why that doesn't happen and what may, what gets you to maybe put a little bit more into that getting army into uh, maybe a little bit more mainstream on your broadcasts. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, and, and sometimes when Rutgers wasn't playing so great, um, you know, now they're, they're a little, you know, they're back on the map, big 10, Greg Schiano back. You're seeing more coverage of them locally. And they're, you know, they had a better season last year, despite their shortened season because of COVID. Uh, but it's interesting because Manhattan sits, where it sits and 45 miles north and south, you go north to West Point, south you have Rutgers, and then you have, unfortunately, there was no Ivy League season last year, so we lost Columbia. UConn's not far, uh, but yeah, it's, it's unique to coverage. I think just the, the sheer mass of professional teams and then the fact that it's a basketball city, so if you're going to branch out and do those college sports, I mean, it's St. John's basketball, Seton Hall basketball, I mean, that's, that's what's going on with the Big East tournament coming here and uh, at Madison Square Garden. So that's where like a lot of the focus goes. But I it, I noticed it the first game I did at Army, which was, uh, I mentioned that in November yeah. 2017. And uh, what's interesting is Daniel Jones was the quarterback of Duke that day. And I was on the sidelines doing stories about Eli Manning and the Ole Miss, co- their coach and you know, Ole Miss. And, and then he ends up getting drafted by the Giants. So I have that double story that always happens. And I always bring it up to Daniel Jones. And when I went up there, I'm thinking, my goodness, I watched Fox 5 this morning. I watched Fox 5 last night. We, they, West Point is in our viewing area. I need to cover this team, West Point Sports. I want to do more on the basketball team. I mean, this was a tough year with the pandemic. I want to do more on their sports overall. So my, the first year that I was full-time at Fox 5, and we like to come up with storytelling. You know, everybody can get their scores and highlights on their phones. 
And, um, you know, in Twitter, you could watch a play-by-play -play of an entire game on Twitter these days. You don't even need to watch the video of the game live. So what storytelling can I bring to the table with, uh, with Army football? So the first year, I did the history of their uniforms. And I got to take our cameras into the bowels of uh, Mikey Stadium, where their equipment room is, and uh, just everything from the hat. Oh, I do have like my arm, my Army Navy helmet is like right here. Right <laughs> nice, Nick, Nick the other year. Man. And my yeah, and yeah, and my uh, my Army football, Army Navy football. That those are both in the Army Navy game. So yes, yeah, so nice. Nick did a story straight up with Nick on how they come up with the concepts of the uniforms each season, and of course the Army Navy game. So that was pretty fun. And we, we took cameras where people would never think to go. And just the, the amazing, and it's of course, it's the Army. So it is just so fine-tuned and so organized. And then I did, loved the piece that I did on Long Island's Elijah Riley two years mm -hmm. ago, in 2019. And what I learned so much about him was, you know, how focused he was on his studies and how much he wants to be a leader and how he's, you know, already knows whatever happens in the NFL. And obviously we know he's with the Eagles and we saw him had these great opportunities in 2020. And he wants to go for advanced degrees after that. And I thought that was super neat. And I got to learn that about Elijah doing that interview and that sit down with him and being from Long Island. And uh, I've tried to do a story on Christian Anderson last year. Again, the pandemic made it very difficult. Then he got injured. He's from the Bronx. I've been out to his high school several times. Uh, but but I've had Coach Munkin in studio here at Fox 5 yeah. as a guest on Sports Extra. And then leading up to the Army-Navy game this year, we did a Zoom and it was super fun. Um, so, of course, it's it's one of our teams, as I consider, you know, one of New York City's teams, you know, Army, Army Athletics. Army says they're America's team too, right? Yeah, that's so, true too. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, I, so, I guess yesterday they announced the CBS Sports Network schedule and there's, you know, the noon, the noon kickoffs for Army. Um, except eleven thirties. Yeah, the eleven thirty for the mm -hmm. opener. You know, um, yes. against Western Kentucky on September eleventh. What, what, what are your thoughts on just, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that you, you, you'll be there, be on the sidelines again. What are your, um, I don't know yet for sure. Oh, really? We, we kind of learned midsummer, so we're we're still a couple months away. Yeah, but I hope so. I hope. Yeah, so. let's let's get I'm you back on the tomorrow, so. <laughs> let's get you back on the sidelines, no doubt. Um. What do you think of the noon starts there? What makes what makes that unique at West Point? You know, the, the earlier kickoff times. The high noon, and it felt weird this year because we had some later games because there were no football games on TV at one point, and yeah. Army was playing. Army and Navy were playing their games because of the natural bubble, uh, both at, um, of course, uh, at West Point and down there on the yard in Annapolis. So we had a couple three o'clock starts, and Ben Holt and I were like, this is so weird. Like, we usually meet a quarter to eight in the morning, either walk or get a golf cart ride to our TV truck. So it was uh, a little weird, but I think high noon, it's like, what a great way to start the day. Because of course, of course, the soldiers of America are up at the crack of dawn, get their, you know, two to three mile run in, and then everyone is in uniform and in the stands and ready for a football game at high noon. I mean, of course, that's how it works. I, I love the way that starts off. It kind of starts off the day of football. I mean, there's plenty of other noon games, but for CBS Sports Network to, to have those bookends you know, starting with Army, you have the Navy game later in the day. It's just part of the whole tradition. There's so much tradition in college football and on CBS's coverage of college football. And then you just add the rich history of Army football. And I just think it just, it feels awkward. I mean, 11.30 will be different because they're special games. Um, yep. Obviously, it's September 11th when they're playing Western Kentucky. I believe the uh, Air Force game is 11.30 a.m. Yeah, as well. So, gosh, it's hard for the people on the West Coast for that one. But I like morning football. But, um. 
So, uh, but yeah, I think it's just part of the whole tradition of it. The high noon games at Mikey Stadium, and especially in October when you see the leaves changing and the reflection in the reservoir, you get those beautiful shots. There's no place in the country like that for college football, for sure. What do you think is your favorite game day tradition at Army? Um, Or maybe something that might have, like, surprised you when you first started, you know, covering covering the team? Well, I love when the guys hit the plaque. Uh, Let's see. I mean, just the fact – just the cadets in the stands, the way they're aligned, the way they stay there all game, Um, and, of course, the alma mater. That was so that was very emotional the first time in person. And it was fascinating to just watch the players on the field facing the cadets in the stands, watching the civilian coaches. Many of the coaches you know didn't serve or didn't go to any of the military academies. Some of them did, obviously, you know, you have Mike Beattie, but um, some of them didn't. And to see their respect, that I, th- I think it's the alma mater after the game for sure, the most powerful win or lose. And then um, I also love when the opponents, when you see the respect of the opponents, whether Army blew them out or if they get the win uh, on the road, to watch their respect, knowing that these men that they just played on the field are going to go out and serve the country for them so that they can go out and get big jobs or whatever they're going to do next or play in the National Football League for many years, whatever the case may be for the opponent. I think it's in those moments they really realize what these young men on the army football team are all about because it is so much more than football. I think you tied it in pretty well with Daniel Jones playing you know, your first game that you covered, right? Army is facing uh, their schedule, you know, is an independent schedule. So they're going to play some of those teams like Duke this year. They're, they're going to Wisconsin and, you know, oh, Liberty is Liberty is no joke either. Ball state is no joke either this year. So, I mean, those, and you see the players and then you can see them at the next level. And now you're seeing army players go to the NFL, right? With Elijah Riley, Brett Toth, Cole Christensen. I mean, that is something like when you you covered uh, those Cole Christensen and Elijah Riley. Now you can see them on Sundays too, right? So. And I feel like a proud mom. Like <laughs> I really do when I see them. And I love and I check in with a lot of those guys as well. I mean, I've, I've built great relationships through these wonderful meetings that Jeff Munkin would hold on Saturdays. I hope we can get back to back to that this year. Maybe a little socially distanced, whatever the case may be, because you really get to build relationships with these young men and they last. I mean, I keep in touch with Ahmad Bradshaw. I've done, I did some reporting, you know, through stuff that he told me um, about the prep squad, you know, the prep team. And mm-hmm. um, I was able to do some reports on that this past season, um, checking in with Cole Christensen. I love how they also check in on my stories. I, I did an interview with Rutgers quarterback, Noah Vedral and Elijah Riley, uh, Cole Christensen all commented on it. So it's, it's just so neat to see that um, they're still, you know, they're playing in the NFL I'm so excited for John Radigan. I hope that he yeah, makes yeah. that roster. Uh, and because I feel like, I don't it's just such an interesting season last year because the way their schedule changed, um, they didn't get to play BYU. Ironic, that quarterback's now with the Jets. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's going on with these New York quarterbacks? And, uh, but he, you know, I'm so glad that he's getting that chance and that he had that chance to shine in the games that they did play. I mean, they had a full schedule, 12 12 games with the West Virginia Liberty Bowl game. So, um, and, uh, and John, what a great game that he had against Navy. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's amazing. And again, credit to the coaches, guys like Jeff Munkin. I mean, gosh, Brent Davis. Uh, and, you know, whether it was uh, Jay Bateman or uh, John Luce, Nate Woody now. I love defensive yeah. coordinators. I learned so much from them. Uh, they have really made an impact and take, they've taken Army football. We saw it starting in what, 2016. Right. Yeah. They've taken it to this next level. Well, um, what did you learn about John Radigan uh, over the last year? 
Well, it was so unfortunate because we could I couldn't build a relationship with him. We mm -hmm. were on Zooms, but sometimes we didn't see them. It was just a, like a conference okay. call. I, I did get to interview him after the Navy game, our Army-Navy game. It was great. I just grabbed him. He was standing there. I was able to set up the microphone and interview him. It was the first time I did a one-on-one -on -one with him on a broadcast just because of the situations this past year. I was really – I got a couple players once in a while post-game, but it was mostly just Jeff Munkin uh, because of the situation with the six yeah. feet and the microphones. And um, – I mean, Radig I mean, they're all similar in a sense, uh, the discipline, the sacrifice. And I feel like so many guys play above the talent level that they came in with. And uh, that's a credit to just you know, all the different coaches, um, I really believe. But uh, I mean, he's such a leader. I, could, I did get to still roam the sidelines quite a bit, despite, you know, just I couldn't linger or get as close or get into huddles yeah. or anything like that. But um you know, just a leader. I mean, those defenses are, you know, wild. What they weren't, weren't they one of the top three defenses in the country last year? Yeah, they led, the, they led the nation in total yardage allowed. Yeah, that's so, what it was. Yeah, they yeah. had some great, yeah, obviously, yeah, not full defense, but um, yeah, so it was, I, it was unfortunate I couldn't build a relationship with John, but it was really neat to see him grow from the player, say, on our first Zoom press conference to the player that I talked to on the field after the Army Navy game. Yeah, I mean, just the, one of the most genuine guys that you'll meet, John Radigan, just worked hard for what he got yeah. his senior year. And now with the Seahawks getting a chance and, you know, talking to Ross Tucker, um, he thinks he's going to make the team. You know, he oh, thinks he's going to make as a practice as a at, at the very least a practice squad player. And, you and, look, look, and that's what happened to Elijah Riley. And then he's starting by the end of last year because, yeah. of, you know, players being out and injuries and the whole COVID protocol. So the opera, you know, just you just got to get in and that opportunity presents itself if you're ready for it. And that's what I think is special about a West Point grad. I mean, they make those opportunities for themselves when they're in those situations. You see it with Cole Christensen as well. It's really impressive. No doubt. And you look at like what they have coming back. I mean, this team won nine wins uh, last year during a really, you know, during a COVID season. Now you look at all the talent that they have back. Um, it's 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 crazy. Um, what what the 2021 season could look like it uh, for the Black Knights, right? They have like eight starters or something coming back on um, five quarterbacks that we know all played last year. <laughs> um, That's fun covering, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that was kind of wild, but uh, yeah, and and even even that when they have a big turnover, it's still pretty impressive. What the, and this whole coaching staff is coming back, right? Nobody else is no changes because we know we had those moments where I was like, oh no, we're losing Jeff Munkin, we're losing yeah. Munkin, but um. I think that's a key too, and and a lot of them they're coming up through uh, the prep school, so it's uh, it's a consistency, and I think that's that's kind of like the thread that goes through all of these young men. I mean, they're coming to the military academy. Many of them begin at the prep school, and that's why they're able to go through that turnover every year. But it's also a school where you're going to get a player there, you know, that starts for four years. I mean, I'm trying to think which players that are seniors now that I've had. Um, Gosh. and Eric Smith is that Eric a snack? Smith, yeah, yeah, he's yeah um, Nolan Cockrell kind of came on last year and is going to be yeah. really good for them. Um, I'm trying to think who's like, I'm trying to if I have the roster around here, I had a couple of, but um, there's a several players that I've known since they were freshmen that are seniors now, yeah, yeah, but Mike, Smith is a big one. Oh, yeah. Cedric Cunningham is one. Oh my gosh. So, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens at the quarterback position because that's always the you know, the Army triple option famous position. So who could who could handle it and what what will the option look like with whoever is under center this year?
yeah, Tahir Tyler kind of finished as the starting quarterback, but then mm -hmm. you had Christian Anderson, like you were talking about, uh, Jamel Jones, Cade Ballard, Jabari Laws started to practice in the spring, and yes, we saw him in back, 2019. Yeah. Dynamic and coming little, back from knee injury, right? So, and a little tidbit from uh, Christian Anderson: he was this um, off season. He was supposed to work out with uh, Phil Sims. So we'll oh, see. I'm yeah, get a little throwing in, and he, he. I know he's determined. He wants to be the starting quarterback. So coming, it'll it'll be a really interesting story for sure in, in August when those guys go into training camp. I tell you, somebody asked me who I think the starting quarterback's going to be. And like I hear Tyler, I know he's very respected by his leadership of the team and his play was really good last year. And you look at Christian Anderson, I, I say watch out for Jamel Jones too, because even though he got banged up last year, he can do a little bit of everything for them. And he might be the best guy in space as far as running the football. If right. they're going to give the quarterback the ball a lot in the run game, which they do, I mean, Jamel Jones is right there too. It, it, it's, that's going to be fun to watch. I hope they let media in for uh, preseason practice in, in the summertime just to, to get a feel because doing the Zooms, yeah, you can get right. You get a little bit – you can get somewhat personal with the guys, but you like to be yeah. at practice or see like a scrimmage every once in a while too in person. Exactly. And just, you know, see who's talking to who or who's being coached on the sideline by who. You know, they might just do something on the side. I mean, that's um, – that, yeah, that's what I miss about practices because then that's also stories that I could bring to the table, you know, in a, in a moment – on a sideline, if a, if a kid makes a play or if there's some kind of exchange between a coach and a player when he comes back after a series, um, you know, those are those are key stories that I kind of missed this past year that I wasn't able to report by not being out of practice. Well, Tina, we really appreciate your time. We know you have a busy schedule. The NBA pl playoffs with the Knicks and Nets, right? Ooh, and, yeah. I mean, that was the Knicks win last night and the Nets will play on uh, tomorrow night. Thanks a lot, Tina. We'll talk to you soon.